Welcome to Unlocking Brand, a part of our Siegel & Gale Says podcast series. Here, our global brand experts host live case studies, deliver actionable insights, and answer key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. In this episode, we explore our work for Tierland, a world-class food and nutrition business with a diverse portfolio of quality ingredients and leading consumer and agri-brands. The farmer-owned cooperative has a first-class track record of success in the global market. Nicola O'Connell, head of consumer development for Tierlan, joins our EMEA president, Philip Davies, senior strategy director, Patrick Kampf, group director of naming, Leah Chu, and design director, James Snook, to discuss how to successfully rebrand before, during, and after a spin-out. This is Siegel & Gale Says. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Siegel & Gale's Unlocking Brand, uh, our virtual event series where our global brand consultants host live case studies, answering the key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. I'm Philip Davies, president of Siegel & Gale Lemire, and your host for today's conversation. Siegel & Gale is a preeminent global brand strategy, design, and experience firm. And since we were founded in 1969, our work has been based on the philosophy of simplicity. So in that spirit, and as the title of this event suggests, in each episode, we unlock a topic from brand strategy, design, naming, communication, experience, and more. Our topic for today involves all those elements, but at its core, it is about how to successfully create a new brand from an existing entity. Our case study is a global dairy company, home to numerous consumer, agribusiness, and ingredients brands. Headquartered in Kilkenny, Ireland, Tierlan is Ireland's 100% Irish farmer-owned co-op, providing world-class dairy and grain ingredients across the globe. In 2021, when Glambia, an Irish global nutrition group, decided on a spin-off, the company approached us to build a new brand while retaining a rich heritage that stretches back 100 years. I'm delighted to be joined by Nicola O'Connell, Head of Consumer Development at TLN, and my colleagues from the Siegel & Gale team, Patrick Kampf, Senior Strategy Director, Leah Chu, Group Director of Naming, and James Snook, Design Director. We're going to have an in-depth conversation and a behind-the-scenes look as we explore rebranding before, during, and after a spin-out. So, let's get started. The TLN story. So. Nicola, hello and a very warm welcome. I am very well, thank you. And I am in the southeast of Ireland in Waterford, uh, which is very close to Kilkenny, which is where we are headquartered. And you guys have visited there many times. So, yeah, that's where I am today. Lovely part of the world. We love we love those visits. Nicola, I've set the stage a little, only a little, though. Perhaps you would elaborate a little more on the context for this new brand creation. I suppose I suppose the big question there is, who is Tierlan? So look, yeah, Tierlan, as you've said, Philip, is an Ireland-based uh, food and nutrition company and a co-op owned by our farmers. Uh, so we take the dairy and grain produce from our over 5,000 farmer members uh, and we turn it into dairy food and ingredients, uh, I should say food, dairy and grain food and ingredients, which we sell here in Ireland and globally to over 100 countries. Uh, and Tierlan, as you've said, is the new name for, for Glanbia, Ireland. So formally in April 2022, uh, we separated from Glanbia PLC to, to form a new company. And as part of that separation, the Glanbia name stayed with the PLC. So we were shopping for a new name. But I suppose for us, it, it was much more than that. This was a really exciting juncture in the history of our business. 
we were very ambitious uh, about the road ahead. And really, it was about grasping that future and taking that opportunity. So for us, it was much more than just a name change. This was, you know, the development of a new identity, a new purpose, uh, a new mission that was really going to galvanize, uh, galvanize our stakeholders, um, our farmers, our farmer shareholders and our employees and our colleagues and really develop something that was going to reflect the ambition that we had and also very importantly, resonate with our consumers and our customers around the world. So quite a big project. No small task, eh? No small yes. task. So uh, in, in, with the first step in that, where did you start? Where did we start? Well, look, we started obviously by putting a brief together. So what was it that we wanted to achieve? What were we about? Who did? How did we see ourselves? Uh, and really trying to unpick the strategy that we had, the ambition that we had, and how we wanted to bring all that together. So a lot of, uh, I suppose, looking inwardly at first with a very small team to put that brief together because we were at the time NDA'd. We had started this journey, you know, quite a bit before the April 22 reveal, if you like. So that had started a good few months before. It was a small team. And yeah, so lots of work there with, with a small group of people. And then obviously setting about the key task of finding the agency who could partner with us on, on this important journey. And, and lucky us, we, we got to work with you. We had the privilege of working on this, which was wonderful. We, we also know, and um, we, we also got to meet a lot of the, the C-suite through this process. Talk to us a little bit about their involvement and their commitment to this, because that was that was pretty apparent to us. It was, and look, I've worked on, on a couple of these projects in, in other businesses in, in the past. And I have to say the level of engagement and commitment that we had from the C-suite here in Tierlawn was impressive. Um, and look, sometimes that, that can go in different directions. If you have a highly engaged C-suite, it can also be, you know, problematic um, because people might have very, very distinct views about how they want something to go uh, and it, it can make the job quite difficult. But we had a, a really great combination of high level of engagement and commitment and a willingness to think outside the box. I think there was a high trust factor, uh, which was really important. Um, there was trust of of the team that were tasked with with delivering this. And as I said, small team, I worked very closely with our corporate affairs director, um, Pat O'Keefe, on this as well. So trust in that team, but also trust in the agency, which I think is important because they're they're a critical neutral force in this. So for an agency to be able to come in and to get that trust early on is, I think, really important for the whole team to be able to deliver on this. But yeah, I, I would have to say it was an easier process than I would have anticipated when I when I first sat down to look at this. And I think a lot of that, you know, was the manner and behavior of of the C-suite team at the time. We had high level board engagement. So we would have had the, the chair and vice chairs, um, senior officers of the board very involved. We had a, a board subcommittee around this as well, who came in at certain junctures of the process. And then the CEO, Jim Bergen, and chief growth officers as well, very engaged in this process. So when you've got that level of engagement and the willingness to go along with it, um, it certainly helps the process. And you know what, just thinking back, Nicola, it was it was kind of we were you know, coming out of the pandemic as well. And we were able to actually you know, visit and we, we had the, the, the good fortune to be able to come and visit you several times in, in Kilkenny as well and actually sit with the sit with the leadership team to really understand what they wanted to try to achieve. That was that was really important to us as well. So talking of talking of Ireland and, and Irish heritage, 
you know, one, one of the things I know we talked about a lot was the, the brand's Irish heritage and how that might inform the rebrand um, and indeed the ambitions of the future. Share a little perspective from you on, on that, please. Yeah, look, we would have had a lot of discussion around that in the early days of this project. And provenance, Ireland, everything that that embodies is a core part of what we're about. We are so rooted in the community here as a co-op and with, you know, 5,016 farmer members. In fact, we just actually, there was a report published there uh, a week or so ago from EY, an economic impact assessment, just looking at what the Tierlawn Co-op delivers within the community, delivering over 5.5 billion in 22 in terms of economic activity and uh, supporting indirectly and directly 19,200 jobs. So, you know, we are a significant player in Ireland. Um, it is core to our DNA. Um, the fact that obviously we farm here, how we farm is is a very important part of Ireland as well. So particularly when you look at dairy and the grass fed platform that we farm from, I mean, Ireland is, is just inherent to that. So Irishness was always going to be a big part of, of what this proposition was about. It was never something we were going to be steering away from. But an interesting dynamic, I think, when we went into, and I'm sure Patrick will talk a little bit more about this uh, around how we actually started to pull the strategy together. But when we did start talking to key stakeholders, an interesting piece of information that was coming back was that people wanted to see us as a global business from Ireland rather than just an Irish business that was selling to countries around the world. And I, you know, I think that's that's an interesting viewpoint that we'll see really extend into how we went at this creatively as well. So yeah, Irishness is a big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some great, great new numbers there as well that you're sharing, actually, Nicola, too. That's fantastic. And yeah, we, we, we're we going to talk a little bit about, I think, that that whole place in the world dimension to the brand as well. But in the place in Ireland, I mean, how just in terms of that that change from from being part of a PLC into being your own co-op and and indeed what a what what a modern version of a co-op could be going forward as well. How did you engage that large community of stakeholders in this rebrand? Yeah, look, I mean, we at the outset, I suppose, in informing it again, a DNA, a, a DNA process. But we were able to um, speak to, you know, a number of, of focus groups of, of different stakeholders within the process. We did have our board members who were able to input around this as well, and, and they are predominantly farmers. So a lot of that informed the process, which was really important. And obviously, as we went through and we were able to share more and more um, with different groups of people. We were pulling that in consistently. Lots of, of ways of being able to feed that in. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's bring Patrick in here. Um, you, you mentioned him, Nicola, and Patrick led the strategy on um, on this assignment, which is fantastic. And Patrick, seeing as Tierlan is, you know, it, it's from the land of saints and scholars, I think they say, Nicola. Is that right? Something like that, exactly. I think. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, given Ireland's fondness and respect for great language and, and so on, let, let's talk about the strategic story, Patrick, a little. If you could tell us a little about the strategic development for the new this new brand positioning. I was saying it was a story about change and ambition, but also at this, it was just about as um, a story that talked about the inflection point that, that the, the industry was at at that moment. Uh, which was, you know, it, it wasn't just about clean nutrition. It wasn't just about, you know, provenance. Of course, we wanted to restore some of that. But, you know, just knowing that, you know, the, the industry was shifting towards something uh, of using nature uh, much more as a, as a partner 
and working together with nature, as opposed as in the past, it was much more as using nature as a resource. So we wanted to shift the mentality uh, and bring together, you know, the collaboration, the community, the togetherness that is just inherent to to, to Ireland and, and, and to some of the clients that we met. So, you know, we started thinking about that shift that we needed to make and also understand that needed, we also needed a new relationship with nature. So that's when we arrived at the balance of nurture and nature made possible by our inherent care. Uh, just knowing, you know, there's a strong focus on clean nutrition. There's a strong focus on, on wholesomeness, but also, you know, knowing that we have to be more in sync with nature. We have to honor the land, honor the animals. Uh, so that was the first part of the story and the, and the position and statement per se. And the inherent care, which is the second part, the element was was much more linked with togetherness, community, treating each other with respect, which is, of course, you know, how at least how we understood something about the culture of, of the company, but 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 also some of the co-op values that was so important for us to keep true, you know, learning directly from stakeholders. And uh, and that caring element was just a catalyst to make the pot to make the balance part of the of the positioning statement possible. And so it was this notion of, of, of balance and working with nature, of course, in a caring way. Uh, that was the positioning. But then to complement that, we also had, you know, the brand personality, which, of course, incorporated the words caring, fair, but also brave. And brave was the differentiating factor for us, you know, adding a little bit of energy, can-do attitude, you know, challenging the status quo, just, just doing new things or being open to new things. And as as Nicola alluded to in her, in her answer, just just being open for, for global challenges, you know, and taking the best from Ireland overseas. So, yeah, so that was kind of the, the story and the positioning that we went about to achieve those global ambitions. That's great. And it, it's in line with the, the industry, you know, the, the direction of travel and the conversation that's been gradually shifting from, if you like, essential wellness to clean nutrition to being, as you say, in sync with nature, which is that, that, that perfect balance there, which is really great. So just unpack those that personality a little bit more for us, Patrick, in terms of how that came across. You you, you said it was you know the, the positioning is the balance of nature and nurture made possible by our inherent care. Then the, how does the brand need to behave when you've got that personality of caring, fair, and brave? Yeah, so it it, it I think it goes back to you know even even some of the co-op values of of treating people with respect, with fairness. There's a lot of uh, praise for community and, and, and pride for, for, for being well-rooted in a community. So I think the fair element is very straightforward. Uh, caring is a brand that is, that is nurturing, is a brand that is, that is just, I don't know, just, just goes out of their way to make people feel good, uh, to nourish people. We, we're going to talk about nourishing goodness, I think, at some point in this conversation because it's something that comes so naturally for, for this brand and for, yeah. you know, and for the company. But when you have those two words combined, it, it, it was feeling at least that, that it needed some, some, some energy, you know, something to kind of provide that tension, that healthy tension. And this is where Brave came in because we knew that, you know, people, and, and this is we learned by just by, you know, listening to people, but there were so many, so many things that people wanted to achieve or wanted to do with this new brand. And there was a lot of momentum. Uh, with the separation from the PLC that needed to be harnessed. And uh, and Brave was almost like that shot of adrenaline in the arm, you know, to be able to do those things and not be scared and, and, and have courage to do it because now was the moment, you know, the perfect time to do it. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's a brand that has that, that little edge of courage to it as well. It's a brave move, Nicola, as well, from the leadership team to embark on this as well. And uh, 
and that that's certainly inherent in in the brand as well. So Nicola also mentioned the you know the the the, the global and the global dimension and provenance and so forth and wanting to be a you know a global brand from Ireland. Talk a little bit about that, how how you looked at that. And we're going to look at this from the point of view of the name and uh, with Leah and with in design with James as well. But from the positioning point of view, how do you highlight, you know, Turland's, if you like, local produce with a, with a global reach through the brand story? Yeah, look, I, I think for us, and I, I think a lot of this plays, it does play into the name and it does, it does lead us into the creative route, particularly when it comes to that sort of modern approach that we've taken, that paired back feel. So I don't want to preempt that with James, but certainly uh-huh. for me, that was that was a really big part of bringing in that more global, modern feel to all of this. And look, it's it's a juxtaposition that we always, I wouldn't say struggled with, but juggled um, because it was really important that that, you know, we had the Irishness, the provenance, all of that piece, our, our roots in the community, our traceability right back to the farm. The fact that we are a co-op, it all starts with us, um, not even just with the dairy or the grain, but actually the soil. So all of that was was key. And then how do you bring that to the world? You know, so I think that's where the name and the whole creative route really sort of click in around the global piece. You know, a couple of things you mentioned there, Nicola, as well. This is a, a, a nice little segue, I think, in terms of you know the role that sustainability plays in this. Uh, we know that the 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 company in its in its previous guise and its previous identity was had some great programs and those have obviously been continued but what role does sustainability play in the brand going forward as you as you see it it's massive um i mean it's something that we talked about uh, at every stage and look sustainability has been um a theme at the heart of our business for a long time so it, it wasn't just something new that came to the table it's something that uh, our CEO feels very passionately about. It's something that's being worked on um, actively since I've been in the business back in 2014 and before that. So it's always been a huge theme. Uh, and when it came to the development of this identity, it was absolutely at the heart of it. And look, this is an incredibly interesting time for farming, for food, for climate, for sustainability as a whole, and how all of those big themes conflate. Um, and, you know, I think some of that took a little bit of a backseat during COVID when the pa- pandemic took over and we were a bit concerned about other things. But now that that has, has passed us by, there's no doubt that it is back on the table and in a very big way. And look, we're all feeling the impact of it. We can all see yeah. our weather. We all know what's happening out there. And we know that there's significant hard yards coming at us in terms of regulation that's needed, frankly, um, and we're very much embracing that. Um, We have stepped into that arena in a big way. We uh, published our Living Proof uh, Sustainability Strategy in 2021. Uh, We appointed uh, Dr. Lisa Cope, who is our ESG officer to the executive leadership team last year. So this is a huge, uh, a huge area within our business. And and for this identity, it was absolutely on the table and something that we looked at very intensely and, and I think plays through every asset that we've developed as part of this identity. It's very much playing through the positioning. And I think Patrick has, has laid that out very clearly. Nature and nurture and care. I mean, that's what it's all about. So we want to nourish. We want to nurture we want to produce really good food. We want to produce really good ingredients that play into nutritional supplements and many other applications around the world. We want to do that in uh, as wholesome a way as we can. 
but you know we want to do that farming in a way that is really going to contribute as much as possible to the development of this sustainability story going forward and look it's it's multi-dimensional you know it's about how we farm it's about regen ag and all those those sort of big hefty topics which we are really confronting and um, within our organization across many areas with our farmers with all of our farmer facing teams that we have here within our business and um, so that's very real with a lot of action around it and it's about how you know we treat communities fairly as well because sustainability as we know it's multifaceted environment climate change is a really big part of it but it's also about fairness and respect and supporting communities uh, and look i've you know i made the reference to the ey economic impact study just now it is so important not just here in ireland but across the world that we continue to support those rural communities and to sustain them because at the end of the day those communities nourish the world so i think the care element is really important you know we talked about caring for the environment caring for our animals caring for how we farm we have very very high dependence on obviously the animals and the livestock that we have we also you know have performed exceedingly well when it comes to animal welfare so a lot of that is a really big focus for us care also reflects back to our whole sort of employee base and and what was really interesting i think is when we and you guys would have noticed this at the time and commented on it when we did deep dive into constructing all of this and talking to our employees and having those focus groups and those one-on-one -on -one interviews. I remember at the time that you were quite struck by how much and how intensely people cared about this, you know, and I, it's something that always struck me about the organization, I have to say, when I joined it, that people really do care about how they do their work and, and, and are very, very passionate about it. We have quite a low churn employee base. We've got over 2000 employees around the world. So it, it, it does, feel like something that really rings true um, for this business and nature. I think, look, you know, we've talked a lot about that. It's it's biodiversity, regen ag, all of those things. They are huge themes within our business um, that we are tackling now. Sorry, very long answer. No, it's, 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 it's Nicola. It's it's nothing but fascinating. It really is. And you know, we were really struck by the the sort of the collective. Um, as well, and I think that a lot of what you were talking about is is multiplied by the fact that you're a cooperative as well, and I think that re that really helps. And you know things like you know living proof, and I think you talk about that as a you know a true commitment to farming food in the future, really is evident, and it's really really palpable, and you can re really see that. So this this teases up for the conversation around the name and the identity and so forth, which we we need we need to sort of get into now as well. I think, but before we do that, Patrick, um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you that question. You know, what you know, what is what does the tail arm brand stand for? Because that really does lead us into how we then started to think about how this is expressed through through the name and the identity system. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I'm sure it, you know if if we ask everybody here on the call, everybody will will have their own uh, way of answering this. But I think for me, from a storytelling perspective, uh, Tierland is about balance and wholesome nutrition, and those were the words that we used. Uh, to anchor ourselves in the in the story, in the positioning, you know, just just making sure that it was future proofed, uh, going where the industry was 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 heading, and uh, of course this this doesn't translate the name, and I'm not going to preempt that conversation. But uh, for me, it was much more about balance and wholesome nutrition. Of course, this this translates some of of what the business does externally, but also internally when we. So when we got together again to to discuss the, the vision for this company, the purpose, the set of values, we saw uh, you know the the notion of nourishing goodness 
uh, in balance with nature, you know, in people's lives. So for me, yeah, those those words do the trick. Yeah, it certainly does. Okay, so the name. This is this is the bit where everyone gets extremely excited. I think in any project, it's like, well, okay, what are we going to call ourselves? And uh, this really is that you know one of the one of those big moments in any any project uh, in terms of trying to make sure that we can encapsulate all that we've talked about and bring that to life in a, in a, in a great name or not. When we started thinking about the name, what was important to you to highlight when creating this new name? Oh, just that it would reflect everything that, that I've talked about and, uh, you know, wanted it to do everything that we had within the brief. Uh, and look, I think a name can only do so much. And obviously it's, it's a very important part of, of the overall identity. I think we were very open minded um, when we came to this and we certainly were open to an Irish name, but we weren't necessarily committed to that in any way. We were very open to lots of different routes in. We wanted a name that you know, would, would connect with our farmers and with our employees, first and foremost, something that would make them feel proud. But also it had to be a name that was going to work internationally. So, you know, we're doing a lot in, in Asia, in Middle East, in US and parts of Europe as well. So it was really important that this name, just from a pure pronunciation point of view, um, that people were going to be able to kind of get their heads around it in different parts of the world. And obviously, as I've already talked about, that Irishness is important, but also we're, you know, we're a global business. So we had to make sure that we were going to tick that box as well. So it was uh, no, no pressure for Leah. Yeah. So on to, on to Leah. Leah, hello. How are you? Great. How are you? Yeah, I'm really, really well. Good, good to see you. And where are you, where are you joining us from today? I'm here in Brooklyn, New York. Very nice. Very nice. So, um, Leah, as you know, global director of, uh, of naming, talk a little bit about the process because it is one of those, if you like, it's a process of, science and magic a little bit naming isn't it so share, share with us the, the process that you go through well i think for us uh we have a global naming team at siegel and gale and so we're very focused on names thinking about them all the time and we get a lot of different types of naming assignments and i think the name for a new entity is both the name for a new brand but also for an entire organization and so for us it's really kind of the biggest type of naming assignment. It's the one where you have to zoom out really far and think about how do we create a name that's going to encapsulate everything that the client aspires to in the near term and in the long term. And how do we do that in a way that is going to be memorable, ownable, and it's going to work all around the world, all of the things that Nicholas said. So there's always a little bit of pressure, I would say, to, to get a name that sort of does it all. That's what we do. And I think, you know, one of the things that helped us so much in this process was that strong engagement from the leadership team and the openness that Nicola mentioned, coming in, knowing what you would like to achieve, but not having a specific idea in mind of the type of name you want, I think is a great place to start because it really gives us the opportunity to do that broad creative exploration. I think it's hard to imagine what a name could be or sound like or do and, until you actually see the name. So I think in, in our process, it's really important that we align on a brief, but we keep that brief open enough to actually create a spectrum of options uh, and work with the team to review and compare and contrast those options. So for us, uh, in this particular assignment, we were very fortunate to get to work with the Irish language, knowing that they're potentially could be some interest in an Irish name and a real benefit to a name that's either using Irish uh, words or just sort of based 
in Irish and, you know, taking that and creating something new with it, like what we call a coined name, which is basically a, a made up name based on some word parts. That was an opportunity and it's not something that we get to do every day. We've never actually worked with the Irish language before. So one of the things we did to prepare ourselves for that was in addition to sort of burying ourselves and learning Irish for dummies and books like that, uh, we actually hired a linguist partner who worked with us and she is a native Irish speaker, of which there are not, you know, tons of people who grew up really speaking Irish. Uh, so that was a huge win for us to, to have that partner. And we really just kind of went to town thinking about how do we, how do we take something Irish, but make it new and modern for a global brand where people are going to look at this name and they might not recognize any Irish words in it, but this name needs to feel fresh. It needs to feel really engaging, simple, impactful. Uh, so we sort of took that lens and, and really kind of used that to pull out Irish ideas. So that was the sort of Irish based directions. And then we looked at other types of names too, that didn't use Irish at all, just so we could really see which one might work better for the brand. So, I don't know if that was too long of an answer, but that, that's sort of how we got started. We generated, I would say, in the thousands of names, and that might sound like a high number, but it's actually just so incredibly competitive to get a trademark today, especially when you're looking to trademark a name that is truly global, so in many countries, but also a name that's going to be for an organization that's doing a number of different things. So it's a pretty broad type of trademark. And so we really needed to generate tons of options and filter them through trademark pre-screening, through linguistic analysis, and really through the big lens of, does this work for the brand? Is it authentic to them? And is it actually gonna help amplify the positioning and, and tell the story of the new entity? So so hopefully that, <laughs> that answers your question, Philip. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank, thank you, Leah. That's great. That's a, that's, that's a great process um, behind that. and. You know, when when we actually look at the actual name that that you arrived at, and and so that everyone knows, you you really did go through thousands of options, and there are so many. Nicola, you remember the, the the many sessions that we ran on naming and the and getting down to that short list, and and then trying to figure out which which the right ones, and all the, the energetic discussions that were had with the um with the leadership team as well about about the name. We did get to one, and Tialan was the name, uh, Leah, which we we we've all really come to love. So. Talk talk a bit about that. What does it mean, and where does it come from, and you know how, how did you get that? So the name we ended up on, you know, luckily Nicola did not have to look at thousands of names, but it was certainly there was a lot of uh, engaging discussion, and and we did hone in on an Irish based name. And one of the reasons why we did that is because not only is it authentic to the brand, but we thought that it would actually really help differentiate this brand on the world stage in a way that was modern and fresh. Uh, and actually some of the more traditional naming routes, such as Latin-based names, don't feel as modern and fresh today just because they're so well-traveled. So we thought it was just a really great way to achieve that and also be true to the organization. And so the final name is Tirlan. And so it's really two words from the Irish language. Tir means country or land, but really provenance, right? It's what underpins everything the people, the community, what makes all of this possible. And then we have Lan, which is all about the fullness of something, something bountiful and rich. So this really bountiful, full, amazing land and provenance is what the name expresses. 
And we loved the sound. We liked that it was very sort of easy to pronounce, you know, just from our standpoint, having created a lot of global names, it's definitely on the easier side of things. And we actually really liked the fada, the, the accents. Uh, and so the real words, tier and lawn, they both have accents over the vowel. They both have fadas. And part of naming is taking something and creating a name with it. So that doesn't necessarily mean the name is literally going to reflect a real word. Sometimes in naming, we change the way things are spelled. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen examples of this. I mean, even the name Google uh, is from a word Google, but it's not spelled in the way that the brand spells it. So there's just a lot of creative license and naming. And so one of the things we did with this name was we dropped the fada over tier. And there are a number of reasons for doing this. One of them is we felt that it would help aid pronunciation for people who were not familiar with these words see it over the A at the end of the name to sort of help them understand tier lawn, uh, where that emphasis lies. But also we, we felt that having the fada really cued to people who weren't familiar with the language that this, this name comes from a different place. And that was a good thing that really created intrigue and interest in the name. And I think there was also the belief that having two fadas in the name would just be one accent too many for a lot of audiences obviously not necessarily Ireland-based audiences, but it, it could make the name feel potentially intimidating to some audiences who were not familiar with accents and languages. So that, that was some of the thinking behind there. That's fantastic. And we've all, and we've all learned how to pronounce it correctly as well, Leah, haven't we? That, that's been part, part of the journey yeah. on this as well. And, you know, just looking, you know, when you look at it, it's a very tidy name. And I mean that in, in, in the neatest construct. For you, as a, as a namer, What's the benefit of a, of a really short name, a, a name that, you know, when you're looking at it on the global stage, is there anything there that actually really, really gives it more power? I think as a namer, I'm probably in the minority of people who believe that a name doesn't have to be short to be impactful. So, you know, that said, it can be very nice to have a short name because it generally is a bit easier for people to pronounce. In this case, I think the way the name is constructed with how the vowels and consonants come together is the most important thing in terms of pronunciation. So I think we got that right. The two syllables is just a nice to have. It's sort of a compact looking name. I'm sure James and his team, you know, appreciated that as, as they worked with it in design because a longer name can definitely pose some challenges when it comes to, you know, representing it on different touch points. Thanks, Leah. So talking of design, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into that now as well. And you know we we all really enjoyed the idea of the fada as well because as you say Leah, it really it really locates it as well which is really a great thing so nicola when we when we got into the design phase what you know, what was important to you when developing tierland's visual expression based on that name oh well i think what was important for me and i, I mentioned this a little bit earlier on was that we were going to bring that fresh modern paired back sense of the brand to life once we hit the creative button and I think there was always a risk uh, with the level of Irish provenance that we were bringing into it, uh, obviously a core part of the, the positioning. It was now very much reflected within the naming because we'd ended up with our Irish inspired name and we were delighted with all of that. But I think you could well have ended up going down a route of of very green, you know, very much sort of back to the the, the expected Irish traditional route. And I was very hopeful that we could actually come to a look and feel that was that was more aligned with 
a progressive modern Ireland, which obviously is where I'm living at the moment, but not necessarily how everyone views it. So I think to give that global sort of relevance that we needed to our customer base in many different markets, it was really important that we were appropriately conveying that level of modern, progressive, innovative, because these are all big parts of our mix as well. I mean, obviously, you know, our, our farming roots, how we produce dairy and grains and all of that in Ireland, big part of it, but also the innovation side, you know, all of the R&D people and centres that we have, it's a big focus for our business and that relevance to the international customer base. I think we came into the, the creative process at that stage with a big reliance on this part to really help to bring that to life. Yeah, very true. Very true. Thanks, Nicola. Okay, James. Hello there. How are you doing? We, we, we've come to you last, but with, with the exciting story of the, of the actual identity. So, you know, when you, when you got this brief, how, how did you and the team approach the creation of the new identity, James? How did you go about it? So, I guess from all the discussions and stuff, you can tell there's, there's kind of a tension between the kind of island and the global and, and the kind of nature and nurture. And for, for a creative team, that's just, that's, that's great. It's so much to go over there, the balance and tension. It creates so much visual insight and, and things to go on. We did something similar to, I guess, what Leah did when pulling out her Ireland book for dummies. And, and we looked really deeply into Celtic symbology and, and, and folklore and really into some of the kind of old Celtic stories, which we would kind of delve into and, and try to find something that aligned to, to land story and, and kind of made the identity deeply rooted into Ireland. But obviously by doing that, we, we, we now know we need to kind of make sure we, we kind of pair that with something that's not, you know, take it to a modern space and, and aren't just a past, pastiche of kind of the old Ireland or what people think of the cliche Ireland. So it was important to get the story and narrative right, but then also to kind of skin it in a, in a new kind of aesthetic that was relevant for the global stage. And as well as there was just a, a design maturity as well, which needed to be taken by the team just to make sure that, you know, Leah done such a good job of her team of, of creating this new name, making sure that we will make it legible and we won't go in too crazy. You know, people weren't, it was a coin name. So people aren't used to seeing that in, in their, or using that in their language and so making sure that it's super clear, super legible and people know what we're writing. Having said that as well, because it is a new name, there's a few interesting things that are going on with the uh, mixture of letters and, and the way they work for each other, which gives us the ability to design them spokely towards each other, create some ligatures and really create a really tight lockup that we really use for it. Yeah, that's great. I remember uh, you, you mentioned trying to stay away from the the, 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 the cliched Im images and so forth. And I remember there was a there was a board which had all those and it was almost like that's the dumping ground for things we don't want to be. Yeah, um, so, but you did, but you did dig into you know Irish history, Irish culture, Irish nature, and really bring out something in the in the actual mark that really does display that beautifully. Do you want, do you want to talk about the sort of the origins of that new symbol that that you found? And I think you may have some slides that you wanted to put up as well. Yes. So we delved into this symbology and we came across the Oum symbol, which is uh, old medieval Irish alphabet, and this is kind of what was kind of used in medieval time, but this symbol itself means uh, earth and clay and soil, 
which when we talk about the name, the turbit, that's kind of what that's referring to. And all the kind of nutrients and you can't get more Irish than or more, talking more about the land and having the symbol, which is which symbolizes the land in the in the old Irish language. And it's got this kind of rendering as well, because obviously these were medieval times where paper wasn't wasn't people weren't using ink or paper, they were kind of carving these things on on rocks and stones. So it gives you this like beautiful kind of rendering, hand-drawn kind of look, which speaks as well to the cooperative. As soon as we kind of found this own kind of alphabet and we found this symbol, it kind of felt like it always kind of just clicked together and it was kind of meant to be. But then as well as we've kind of brought it to the modern space as well. So we, we've kind of used it in, in a kind of a bright green, talking about the, the land and the kind of Irishness. We've put it in some geometric shapes as well as we've kind of made it a bit more ownable to Talan as well. So we've kind of hidden that T within the symbol itself. And if you really kind of delve into it, it kind of speaks that kind of balancing line as well in the middle of the crossbar for T. It's kind of speaking of this kind of balance between nature and nurture. It's these roots that are underground, which have this bigger element above the ground. So we're looking at a slide here, James. Talk, just uh, that, that's, For those that aren't looking at this, they might be listening to, on, a, on, on just, just on a podcast, maybe. The actual, the, the, it's a medieval Irish tree alphabet that you got the symbol out of, and it's, it's called Om, which is O-G-H-A-M. Describe the actual carving to us a little, to how that, how that actually looks, without, if, if you're not able to actually see it. So it's essentially six horizontal lines with a vertical line running right through the middle. And the whole alphabet kind of plays on, on these kind of linear forms. So it's kind of really simple and basic and, and quite symbolic as well, which is why we felt it was very kind of usable and ownable and work at small scale, large scale. So it just seemed, seemed a complete, complete fit really. Uh, we've kind of worked into the kind of, uh, rendering of it as well, just making sure that the origin is correct and it, it kind of feels kind of hand hand done and represents the people behind the brand as well yeah it's a great way of holding hands with the past as you as you go into the future isn't it what how does it how does that how does the rest of the visual identity system sort of center around this including of course the the, the word mark itself yeah so given that we had a, had a very kind of irish kind of symbol we need to make sure that the word mark was, was kind of balancing that as well. I talked about tension before and we just need to make sure that we're, we're kind of playing to the global modernity as well with the rendering of the symbol and the rendering of the word mark. So the word mark is very geometric. It's kind of got a ligature between the T and the I, something that you don't really get in many words that kind of T and I link together. So mm -hmm. we can make something that's a bit more distinct. I'm grateful for Leah as well for making it quite short words so we didn't have to kind of draw up all these letters. And there's just, I'm sure the team didn't think about this when they came up with the name, but it kind of feels all the letters kind of fit comfortably in with each other. They quite naturally fit, which is quite a unique thing. Uh, and that's something we kind of played upon as well. So kind of really backing up kind of the symbol and making the symbol the hero and almost the word mark as, as a bit uh, kind of in the background. But from there, we kind of, uh, we developed an icon system, we developed illustration system. So this is all based in this kind of hand rendering effect that we've got in the sim symbol. We, we kind of really try to restrain the color palette as well. I mean, we talk about the kind of 
ter term meaning earth and soil and the symbols call to that. So it seemed a bit of a, a no-brainer to kind of use this kind of rich, earthy kind of brown. And if you think about brown as well, it's if you go right back to when you were in school and your art classes, essentially brown is a mixture of all the colours. It's almost like a rainbow smashed together, and that's kind of the brown you get. So it was it was a lovely little story of, of kind of when you think about earth and think about the ground, it's not just this kind of bland colour, it's this mixture of all the colours and all the nutrients together. So that was kind of really where we wanted to angle in as well. And we kind of contrasted that with this quite stark kind of white to bring in this modernity towards it. And again, that I kind of mentioned before with the, with the logo, but we've got this kind of bright, vibrant green, which again speaks to speaks to the kind of Ireland and it speaks to kind of the, the, the kind of ground, you know, Ireland's known as Emerald Isle, like you, green seemed to be kind of a relevant colour and also using it in small accents to make sure we were kind of bringing it into the modern space uh, and using it for UI as well for when we get into digital to just making sure we've created a, a functional functional brand as well as all the emotive elements which we've been talking about. So, and then that kind of leads us on to typography. So we kind of wanted something which was really kind of bold uh, and kind of condensed and it kind of spoke of the, of the down-to-earthness, which we kind of got the vibe from with, with working with the C-suite and, and, and chatting to Nicola and, and just something really punchy that kind of takes them to this. We talk about brave. There's nothing more brave than this kind of punchy typography. So just really kind of putting that in the forefront as well. And then, yeah, and then imagery as well. Imagery is very, obviously very important and, and just how we can use utilize that as well. So we are cooperative. So we should show the people that work for us. We shouldn't hide that. We should be putting them front to centers whenever we can and when we can. So, so that was kind of another important element that we really played upon as well. You, you mentioned imagery as well uh, there. And going back to his earlier, earlier needs with this brand and of balancing, you know, something that really resonates locally, but also plays well globally as well. How, how do you sort of um, incorporate imagery that does that while also avoiding, you know, all the, all the, all the cliches that you, that, that we see crop up, all the tropes and traits of the, of the sector? Yeah. So that was when we were kind of starting this job, it was, it was really apparent when we were kind of looking for photography. Uh, Ireland's got such a kind of coloring to it. It's got, you know, the, the way, the way the grass is, the way, the kind of sunsets and rises and the landscape, it's quite a distinct kind of palette which you've got. So we, we definitely, we knew we probably needed to do a photo shoot to kind of capture that. And also we kind of, we didn't want to have anything staged, you know, chatting to the clients, as I mentioned, and, and working with them. This was very much a collaborative process. We showed them kind of, you know, working files, things we were kind of working through. It was very much kind of, uh, a partnership approach of of kind of really getting the feel of what they were like, and we we built up a a, a really good relationship with them, and, and uh, we just knew that we need to kind of get them front and center, and kind of put them in in the kind of stage light and the photography. But we didn't we didn't want anything posed or staged. You know, there's it's already like the, the natural kind of earth and and the surroundings and and the kind of landscape, it's beautiful enough to kind of, you know, shoot and point your camera. So we, we commissioned a, a photo shoot to kind of capture all the, 
all the lovely elements and all the kind of day-to-day things that maybe seem mundane to I, I'm especially to the farmers when we're following them with a camera they may have sh- thought this is very mundane why they're photographing me with my cows but actually is just beautiful moments and honest moments is is the thing we were just trying to capture we, we got that with the client just how we had this honest partnership and just trying to capture that in the photography and, and trying to be honest with our photography really yeah, that's great. Nic- Nicola, coming, thank you, James. C- Nicola, come back to you. You said you wanted this to be a you know, modern, a contemporary version of, of the brand that you, you were looking for. I think this, this seems to be going in that direction. And wanted to ask you know, how it's been received amongst your colleagues, amongst other people, amongst the community in general as well. It's been received very, very well, I would have to say. I think we have adopted it so well internally and amongst colleagues that everyone uses it and, and actually... Pat O'Keefe, who I mentioned earlier, our corporate affairs director, was was saying to me recently that he was speaking to an organization that we would be connected with outside of our business and that somebody at that organization commented how it's the only name they ever hear coming from any of us now. You know, it's it's just been so well absorbed into our business and in terms of our, our business as usual, as we call it. So I think that's been really successful. I think a number of things have happened that have helped to cement that. So we've had a number of, of different summits, leadership summits, coaching events, strategy events that, that really have sort of brought it to the center of the business, you know, so everyone really has embraced it. Within the farming community, I would say very similar. It, it has been really embraced very strongly. I think people are are proud of the name, which was something we absolutely were hoping for within that community. We've had, again, some help along the way. We had the the, the ploughing championships, which, are, which is a huge event here in Ireland every September. So we really brought it to life at that. And um, like the, the stand was just slammed with people constantly. So that went down really well. And then within our customer base, we've had the opportunity to really bring it to life at a number of events, trade shows, um, we've got to launch the brand because obviously there's a whole number of people get involved once you do something like this. And, and as I said, it was a very small team to begin with, but very quickly it moved into a much bigger team of marketing, primarily marketing and uh, corporate communications colleagues around the business. And, and they really got behind this in a massive way. They've put a huge amount of work into delivering this brand internationally. Um, and kudos to them for any of them who are listening. Um, there's actually only about six or seven of them and they, they've done an amazing job. So they took the ball and absolutely ran with it. And our ingredients colleagues have done an amazing job in, in really bringing this brand to life overseas. They launched it in Japan with the minister uh, back in September. Actually, end of August was right around the time when we launched it here ourselves. And we also launched it in the Middle East, in Dubai. We brought it to China actually quite recently when we were over there for a trip and uh, and also in the US. So we really have managed to to give it the ta-da in all parts of the globe, which is great. And it, as you've seen in one of the slides that, that James showed, it really does show up well at trade shows. I think, again, that just paired back look, the, the deep brown, which was a source of Many discussions at the time where people were like, really brown, you know, but we felt really strongly about it. And and obviously it's it's ties back to the clay and the soil and all of that. So that dark brown palette with the that really unexpected zesty green, which people don't associate with the sort of traditional green of Ireland, that sort of really zesty, um, almost neon, but not neon, but almost neon green. And that that was the surprising part as well that I loved about this kind of modern direction that we took. 
So I think that all works really well as a color palette for us in, in those kind of busy trade show spaces. So all in all, I would say it has been very positive. Yeah, and, we, and we've seen it. We've, we've really enjoyed seeing how it's being deployed. You know, even in something as old school as an annual report, it, this modern brand looks fantastic as well. And the, you know, the, you know, Patrick, the, uh, the the tagline that has been developed really has encapsulated all this as well. Do you want to just share a little bit? We're running close to time, actually. So yeah. I just wanted to ask. My Last one from me. So uh, so the tagline here for good, and uh, of course, you know, we we wanted to understand the landscape. Uh, did a little bit of research, what other people were talking about, what they were saying about themselves. And, uh, and we had a, a few avenues of what we wanted to express in that tagline, you know, what makes Tierlon Tierlon. And, you know, we, we could we could go about purity, abundance, naturalness. We could explain the name. You know, there were so many options. But uh, but at the end, we settled for just establishing our intention, you know, telling people what we are here for. And we're here for good because we want to be a force for good. We want to. Uh, you know, change according to nature, let people know that we're always striving to become better. And of course, you know, the, the most obvious part is just that the ingredients, the brands, the products, they taste good, they do good. Uh, there's the thing about also being the custodians of the land. So when we say here for good, it means we're in this to last, we're in this, you know, for the long haul, which, you know, yeah. there's so many meanings in, 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 in such a short tagline, but at the end felt very natural for us. Here for good. That, 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 that's where we got to. And with that, uh, we are pretty much out of time. So all I can say is on behalf of the team at Siegel & Gell, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we could talk about this for much longer, but this new brand provides, you know, Tierland the confidence and clarity to communicate their story of progress, collaboration and sustainability in the global and local markets. And it really is testimony to what happens when you have great collaboration between the client and an agency, and it was our privilege to work with Nicola and her colleagues at Tierlan. Uh, so a really, Nicola, a special thank you for giving your time to us today and joining us on this on this event and sharing your experiences of, of this, this large assignment. Uh, Patrick and Leah and James for, for this discussion as well. Thank you so much. And for those wanting, you can listen to this conversation and all the past Unlocking Brand episodes uh, by subscribing to Siegel and Gale Says, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify. But with that, uh, thank you once again, Nicola, Patrick, Leah, and James uh, for leading this discussion. Great talking to you, as usual. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about our work and read our thought leadership on SiegelGale.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. While you're at it, leave us a review. See you next time.